Hello, this is Mark Richter with another episode of Linux for the Layman. Want to feel safe, secure, and capable when using your computer? This is for you if you want to succeed and know you can handle your computer tasks with ease. Hello and welcome to Linux for the Layman. This will be our first episode where I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of Linux and free open source software. So you'll have a basic understanding of what all this stuff is. If you are already familiar with Linux, you might want to scan through this or skip it and wait for the next episode because this is pretty much basic information about Linux. Let's start with what Linux is. Linux is an operating system kernel. Gee, thanks, Mark. What does that mean? What that means is when you are using a computer, you have hardware which you can't talk to directly because the hardware speaks binary. It speaks in bits, which are electrical signals that are either on or off. The operating system is a collection of software that is written so that you can do things on the computer without having to talk directly to each piece of the computer. A computer is composed of a central processing unit or CPU, some random access memory or RAM, usually one or more hard disk drives, also called hard drives for short. And there's a box and a power supply. And these days you also have a monitor, a keyboard, and a mouse. The operating system is what talks directly to the hardware and provides you as a user an interface that is more human oriented so you can type things on the keyboard and expect to see them on the screen, move the mouse around for certain manipulations. The kernel is the core of the operating system. It is the software that talks directly to the hardware and provides an interface for higher level software to talk to the hardware through the kernel. That higher level software is known by various names, typically commands or applications. And these days, with the addition of the mouse and the development to what we have today in terms of interfaces to the user, there's a text interface or a terminal interface and a graphical interface or graphical user interface or GUI for short. You're probably familiar with a number of GUIs. You've probably heard of Microsoft's Windows or Apple's Mac OS, both of which are fundamental GUI-oriented operating systems that include the GUIs, the terminals, the operating system, the kernel, and you buy some hardware so that you can run this stuff. Linux is a different kind of kernel from the ones in Windows or Mac OS. It's closer to the one in Mac OS. And I'll explain that in a moment. 
Back in the mid 60s, there was a consortium of companies developing an operating system that they called Multics, which is for, I believe, multiplexed interface and computing services. Multics was a very complicated, highly secure operating system. And some of the guys working on it wanted something easier to work with for development and test purposes. So they wrote the fundamentals of what later became known as the Unix operating system. Unix being a pun on Multics, although it's spelled differently. Unix was a proprietary operating system, meaning you had to buy a license from the company that produced it in order to use it. The company that produced it primarily was AT&T. And the operating system license was pretty stiff, $20,000 and up, depending on the number of users that the clients wanted to connect. In the late 80s and early 90s, there was a simplified version of Unix written called Minix that was developed for smaller computers, fewer users, but it also had a licensing fee. And a gentleman by the name of Linus Torvalds, who was a student at Helsinki University in Finland, wanted something he could use on his computer that he didn't have to pay for. So he wrote the beginnings of the Linux kernel. And after he began making it known that there was such a thing, the Free Software Foundation, headed by Richard Stallman, got a hold of it because they had put together a system they called New, spelled G-N-U for News Not Unix, that was all free software, but it was mostly commands and applications that didn't have a kernel. When the Linux kernel became available, they more or less joined forces. And originally, the operating system was called New Linux. Now it's typically referred to simply as Linux, which, though inaccurate, is how most people call it. What Linux has become today is a very widely used kernel. It is the kernel of all Android operating systems. It is the kernel that Google uses for all of its systems. It is also used by Amazon Web Services. It is the basis for Microsoft's Azure Web Services. And it runs roughly 95% of all the server applications in the world. What does that mean? Server applications are things like your interface to your bank, libraries, scientific development companies, NASA, the US government. A whole lot of people all over the world use Linux. If you have an Android cell phone, you're using Linux. It has been not quite as popular in primarily one area, desktop computers and laptops. And the reason primarily for this, and this is just my opinion, is that Windows and Mac OS have corporations behind them whose sole purpose is to market this stuff. And they spend a lot of money on marketing. One of the biggest selling points of Windows is that a gent by the name of Bill Gates was a master salesman, and he managed to convince the world a little bit at a time that 
your PC had to run Windows. He succeeded in conquering a huge segment of that market. Apple did something similar and their products are typically more expensive and a little more restrictive and they've got a big chunk of the market. Linux and its operating system distributors don't do that. There's no money in distributing free operating systems, except in terms of which corporations are going to invest in them because they happen to like that operating system and they use it as the basis for all other operations. That is where companies like Red Hat Software, Canonical Software, SUSE, which is a German company, the initials of which I forget what they mean. You can look all this stuff up on Wikipedia. It's really easy to find. And by the way, Wikipedia also runs on Linux. Linux is sent out in what are called distributions. The distribution includes the kernel Linux, a collection of commands, primarily from the Free Software Foundation called the new basic command set and an X-Window system which provides the graphical usage. The sum total of each of these is called a distribution or a distro, for example. And you may have heard of one or two of them. Red Hat Enterprise Linux is one distribution. That one's not free, but there is a free version of it called CentOS for Community Enterprise Operating System. There's also one of the most popular versions of Linux distributions in the world today, Ubuntu, which is distributed by Canonical Software. Ubuntu is free. It runs on pretty much any kind of hardware, so you can put it on your desktop. Personally, I like the Xubuntu version, which has a slightly different graphical interface, and I use it on all of my computers. So why would I do that? What can Linux do for you? The distributions are free. If you want to pay for a disk that contains it, you can send for them, and they're relatively inexpensive, five to $10 typically, or you can just download what would go on the disk, burn it yourself or put it on a flash drive, and you can boot your system from that disk or flash drive and install it that way. It's free. It takes you a little bit of time. And unlike certain other operating systems I won't name here, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes if you have a good internet connection to install the entire distribution and have it running. Half an hour, not four hours or six hours or days if the updates take a long time. When you install a Linux distro, it's pretty much just like any other upgrade to whatever operating system you were using. There's some new features that you're gonna to have to learn and many things will be very familiar to you. The X Windows interface is extremely similar to the Windows interface because that's the more popular of the Windows interfaces out there. And the Linux GUI developers wanted something that people who are using Windows could switch to fairly easily. It's not terribly different from the Apple interface, but there's some concepts that are quite distinct between the two. And I'll get into those in a later episode. There are two interfaces that you can use 
to run your applications, there's the text or terminal interface, and there's the graphics or Windows interface. And I know these days, most people are so attached to the Windows interface that they don't understand why anyone would use the terminal. I will also cover that in a later session. But let's just say in short that the terminal interface is incredibly powerful, much more powerful than the graphics interface as a rule. And most of what's in the graphics interface can boil down to executing a terminal command in the background that you don't see. It just shows you the results in your graphics window. Now, why would you not want to use a Linux distro? Here's the number one reason. If you use your computer primarily for playing games, Windows is the distribution to get. It has a much wider array of games, much more sophisticated. They're tremendously popular. And as much as I really don't think much of computer games in general, I had an argument with a coworker at one time where I said, games are just a waste of time. Computers should be used for something useful like spreadsheets and writing letters and doing scientific research. And she said, he said, don't be ridiculous. Games are where all the most highly advanced hardware is developed. And I thought about that and I thought, that's actually quite true. Most of the graphics you get, the graphics processors that you get and the graphics cards that you put in your computers, the really sophisticated ones, and they're expensive, $500 and up, those were designed to run computer games with maximum efficiency and best video presentation. So if you love games, I would say stick with Windows or Mac OS. If that's not all you do and you don't mind a smaller assortment of games, Linux is just fine. Another reason not to use a Linux distro, you've been using Windows or Mac OS for so long that you don't feel like you can adapt to a new interface that's not quite the same as what you're used to. And that's okay. If you're gonna use your computer, you wanna use something you understand, you can be familiar with, you can be comfortable with. And the third reason not to use a Linux distro is if you have absolutely no desire to learn anything new. If you're curious, if you want something that's intensely cheaper because you can get free software, as in software that doesn't cost you any money, for almost everything you can get for Windows or Mac OS, for Linux, that software is free. It's not identical, and there is a learning curve because it's slightly different. And for example, if you wanna run something like Photoshop, that's Adobe software, it's proprietary software, so you have to pay a licensing fee. And there are multiple ways to do that, but what's available on Linux can't be an exact duplicate because that would violate Adobe's licensing, trademark, and copyrights on the software they distribute. So the software that runs on Linux, the most widely distributed graphics manipulation application is called GIMP, G-I-M-P. It stands for new, as in, remember, new, G-N-U, news, not Unix. New Image Manipulation Program, G-I-M-P, GIMP. It provides a lot of the features that Photoshop, 
possibly not all, and I'm not an expert in either one, so I'm not going to address that right now. I may do some research later and present a topic on that in a later episode. I'll get into a lot more in future episodes. One of my favorite interfaces to use, partly because I go back a long ways in computing and there wasn't a graphical user interface when I first started out, and that should give you some idea of how old I am. But I've been doing this for over 40 years, and I have found the power of the command line or the terminal interface to be unbeatable. And I will definitely be getting into a lot of that in future episodes. So let's take a quick look back at what we covered here. We covered what Linux is, how it can help you, what it can do for you, and why not, why not to use it. Let's go into a little more detail again. We talked about what a kernel is, how Linux came to be, and what Linux is today, how it has taken over a huge chunk of the software application world and almost all of the supercomputing and server world because Linux, unlike certain other operating systems, Linux will run on any hardware, bar none, period. If you have an Intel-based system or an AMD-based system, which is virtually identical to Intel, Linux will run on any of those. If you have an ARM processor in your machine, Linux will run on that. If you don't know what an ARM processor is, if you own an Android cell phone, chances are that's what you're using. Linux runs on microcomputers, cell phone, super microcomputers, desktop, mini computers, because today's desktops are the equivalent of what mini computers were back in the early 70s and 80s. Massive servers, supercomputers, Linux runs on all of them. What Linux can do for you, there are lots of distributions available out there. If you want to just poke around and see what each one is like, you can sample them all, or you can look them up on websites that sample them all for you and get an idea of which one you think might be best for you. There are lots of them. Learning to use Linux and a Linux distro is, in my opinion, it's just like any other upgrade. There's some things you have to learn that are new, and there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to see are very familiar. There are familiar interfaces to applications, and there are both terminal, or what's known as command line applications, and GUI, or graphics applications. The number one advantage that I like best about Linux is that it is free. If I'm willing to exert just a little bit of effort, I can download it, install it, and have it up and running in a short period of time. And by short period of time, I mean way less than a day, more like probably an hour. Linux is a very secure operating system. Remember, it traces its roots back to Unix, which was a essentially single user version of Multics, which was built around security. Unix is now multi-user, but when it started off, it was for one user. Linux is multi-user. It has, it has the capability to run on multiple CPUs in the same machine. It's called symmetric multiprocessing, and I may go over that in the future. 
Future episodes will cover things like how to use the command line. Why is the command line so powerful? What are some of the differences between the GUIs out there? By which I mean Linux GUI versus Windows GUI versus Mac GUI. And I'll cover that to the best of my knowledge. I don't know them as well as I might. I've been using Linux continuously for the last 13 years. I have never wanted to look back. When I absolutely desperately need Windows, I'll run it in a virtual machine on top of my Linux, and I'll talk about virtual machines also in another episode in the future. Those are also free. It's free software because it doesn't cost you any money or it doesn't have to, and you have the freedom to do with it what you want. If you want to change something, you're free to do that too. If you're a programmer, it's quite a bit easier. If you're not a programmer, there are user groups where you can suggest changes. I'll talk about all of this in future episodes. Right now, I want to close by saying thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for listening. I hope I've been of service to you and will continue to be so in the future. And I hope to see you again. If you'd like to leave a comment, please feel free to message me on anchor.fm where this podcast is hosted, and I will be back with more later on. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you in the future on your free open source software system.